0: Tuesday, March 29th, and this is Market Foolery. I'm Chris Helen. Joining me in studio today from Motley Fool Global Gains, Tim Hansen, from Income Investor James Early, and from Motley Fool Asset Management, Bill Mann. Guys, good to see you. Good to see you, Chris. Hey, Chris. Walmart is arguing its case before the Supreme Court, and Abercrombie and Fitch is arguing its case for why preteen girls need padded bras. But first. The Standard & Poor's Case-Shiller Index of Home Prices was released this morning, and the news is not pretty. Home prices in January continued to slide in most major U.S. cities. Uh, Bill Mann, I'll start with you. I suppose that's not uh, the most surprising headline. What was the most striking thing to you in uh, the Case-Shiller report?
1: I think the most surprising thing is that you you have heard chatter about uh, inventory clearing in a lot of places, uh, but the most surprising thing to me is that there was really only one city that had a a positive experience with its housing prices, and that was Washington, D.C., which, yeah, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) yeah, golf clap. The other one would being San Diego, which was a which 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 is a, a much more adversely selected market at this point. That was one of the big you know, one of the big boom markets. But it really surprised me just how across the board, the returns were just horrible.
0: Yeah, you got 20 cities in the index. 18 of them were down. Uh, DC was up 3.6 percent. San Diego up a hefty 0.1 percent. Tim, uh,
2: it's funny. This is a, a good story for me because my wife and I are, are been starting to look at potentially moving, looking at new houses and that sort and of you thing. Just moved recently? Uh, five years ago.
3: Five years? My gosh, yeah. time flies.
2: Time flies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And um, so you know, we were looking at this because our realtor was saying, you know. As prices start to stabilize, you know it's going to be a great time to look for a house because all these all these houses are going to come out in the market in the spring. And I was like, you know, if prices stabilize and then all this supply comes out of the market. Prices are going to start dropping <laughs> again. <laughs> <laughs> Stabilized for long. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that's that's the reality that's out there. I've seen a, a lot of predictions for uh, you know, a, a very bleak housing market going forward because there's so much inventory that people want to sell that they haven't listed yet. A lot of people looking to upgrade. A lot of families have gotten bigger over the past five, six years, that sort of thing. Um, so that's a real force that's going to push on the housing market. And, and I just don't see where this market rebounds. Uh, fundamentally, You know, with unemployment being what it is and, and the consumer feeling pressured and then potential inventory gains, James?
3: Well, I agree with him, so I'll just restate his points. Um, <laughs> I mean, you have uh, individuals waiting for, for a more stable market, and you also have banks that have these foreclosed properties that they don't want to be in the business of holding for a long time. And and, and because of we talked about these accounting rules, and I don't have a spare 12 minutes, so I won't <laughs> explain again, but they're sitting on all these properties that, that might be you know not worth as much as they're representing, and they would love really to get out of some of these things. Um, so there's a lot of overhang, and let's remember also that long-term residential real estate it goes up like seven point two percent. So this is not like some some red hot investment. Uh, maybe now is a good time to buy uh, relative to to historical trends, but. I would not be surprised if we see another 20 percent decline from here. Bill?
1: Two things important about this. One is that one of the data points that they came out was that about a third of the transactions were done with cash, which I thought was mm. a, a very interesting thing. And it does suggest that there are people out there who are – Drug dealers. Who have cash. <laughs> <laughs> who are drug dealers. <laughs> <laughs> who have cash or had cash. The other thing is that is that these numbers are, are biased in one particular way in that uh, – houses that are bought out of bankruptcy houses that are auctioned off are not included so the the actual number it could be
0: somewhat different and i would suggest lower across the board despite the rough times in the housing industry the ceo of one home builder is doing just fine the wall street journal reporting today that paul seville the ceo of nvr received nearly 31 million dollars in compensation last year Making him the <laughs> top compensated CEO in the housing market and one of the best compensated CEOs of any public company. <laughs> well, you know, to give him credit, uh, they're
2: still in business, which is a, you know maybe warrants a, a thirty million dollar compensation package in the housing industry. That, but it, it's unbelievable.
0: Executive compensation is something that we care about here at the Motley Fool. Uh, wh- wh- what do we think of NVR's uh, executive compensation?
1: Back in 2003 I wrote an article about NVR and how they compensated their executives and I described it as being two businesses. One was a was a home builder and developer and they're very very good at it. The other is a, a is a business where they essentially figure out how to pay their management as much as possible and then buy back stock. And so NVR is a company that has always just bugged me because a company should be valued on its free cash flow available to shareholders, and NVR leaves very, very little cash for its shareholders, ultimately. so the Earnings look great, though. Yeah. They, they're when fabulous, they broke, but, yeah. but some of that money doesn't make it back
2: out. Yeah. It's
3: a reminder that the number one priority of, of many CEOs is the CEO salary. Yeah, <laughs> Really? really
2: <laughs> In
3: some cases. <laughs> it's
0: self-evident sometimes. <laughs> The Supreme Court heard arguments today on a sexual discrimination suit against Walmart. The court will issue a ruling before it adjourns in June to decide if the lawsuit should go forward. If that happens, anywhere from 500,000 to 1.5 million current and former female employees could be included in the class action suit. GE, Microsoft, and Costco are among the companies who filed amicus briefs in support of Walmart.
1: Isn't amicus?
0: Lawyer? Some yeah. can say amicus. <laughs> I prefer to I you know, say, make it amicus. Friend, go with of long, friend, 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 <laughs> friend of the court. Friend of the court. Friend of the
1: court briefs. Those um, so silly German terms they throw in. Exactly.
0: James Early, um, it's long been said, the stock market hates uncertainty. Uh, this seems to be a little uncertain for Walmart. Yeah, there are two stories here, Chris. Uh, the The
3: actual lawsuit has been around for quite a while, like 10 years. Uh, Walmart has $422 billion in annual sales, so a billion or whatever billion that, that that it might cost to settle this or, or pay out is not a huge and unexpected impact per se. And, and, and let's also remember that this Supreme Court case is not to decide whether Walmart discriminated against women or not. It is to decide whether women or 1.5 million women collectively can, can actually uh, join the class. Yeah, be a class. I mean, are they similar enough? Would they face similar enough circumstances across hundreds of or thousands of Walmarts all across the country. And that's, you know, that might be pushing it. We'll see what the court says. But that's why these other companies are interested because what if this could open the floodgates for, for many, many frivolous lawsuits you could have, you know, bald people, ugly people. I mean, those are not flattering examples, but, but any group that, that might statistically be shown to earn less in some capacity could, could, could throw a lawsuit at it. And, and this could cost these companies a lot of money. So, so they're watching this very closely. It's very hard to
2: predict what happens in a court case, though.
3: So we just have to wait and see.
2: Tim? Well, I mean, this is what I don't understand is how this, this could conceivably even logically be a class. I mean, there's so many people in so many different locations, so many different stores managed by different people. I mean, if Walmart corporate was able to collectively conspire to really discriminate against against this magnitude of people, I mean, this is the most efficient discriminatory organization in the world. Anywhere, uh, it seems unbelievable to me that this could this could go forward as one class. Not to say that things didn't happen, or 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 that that you know punitive damages ultimately aren't awarded to someone, but it seems crazy to me that this many people can have that much in common. Yeah, I would I would basically agree with with
3: Tim on this. Um, th- for the reason I don't believe in, in government conspiracy theories in general, I just I would might apply that here. I, I don't think the government is competent enough to collectively <laughs> have pull off some sort of uh, nefarious act, you know, on, on a big scale. But that's what the, they want you to think. The, <laughs> the, the difference here is that Walmart. Yeah,
1: that's right. <laughs> <laughs> We're not confident trap, enough yeah. to do that.
3: Don't you dare call us confident. <laughs> the difference here, though, is, is that, yeah, I, I agree. I don't think there's any chance Walmart conspired to, to do anything on a big scale. But, but were they negligent? Were they not yeah. aggressive enough in stamping out mm-hmm. some sort of old boy network? That, that Yeah, I mean, I agree. It's probably a stretch to presume that, that, it, that, that it was prevalent across thousands of stores all over the, the, the country. But that's what they're going to try to argue.
0: To what extent... Uh, and Bill, I'll direct this to you. To what extent does something like this affect your decision when it comes to buying a stock? Just, you know, removing Walmart from the equation, when you see a company that is facing some level of uncertainty, I mean, obviously, the the Supreme Court will decide uh, by June, but how much does something like this affect your decision-making?
1: On a case-by-case basis, I would say that it it could be pretty big. I mean, if you look at a case like this, if it is allowed to go if it's allowed to go forward in the worst possible way for Walmart let's just say 1.5 million women are allowed to join a class just by virtue of being a woman that's that's pretty lousy for the for, for for you know for the stock
0: good for class action lawyers good for class action
1: lawyers and 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 by the way i i don't want to speak in any way towards the merit of this case because i don't i don't really know but if you have Really, an open ended thing like that. Maybe a better example would be British Petroleum last year, where it looked like they could be. It's BP.
0: They changed it. Thank you. I, I got taken to task over that by our, our British colleague, David Kuo, when I referred to it as British Petroleum. <laughs> he, 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 he chided me for, for saying that I was touting the American line. He is a scary human being, so I'll, <laughs> I, I will, I will de- defer to him. So
1: when BP, BP was a, a great example. Last year, the amount of liability that was potentially facing them was massive, and the, the, the stock got crushed. So the question that you need to always ask yourself is, you know, what's – what is the worst thing that could possibly happen to the company? And if and if you don't see, and is it likely? And if you don't see value there, then you stay away. Well, the, the flip side of that is that there's there's no such thing as a certain situation in the
2: stock market. You can't name a stock out there that that has where the future is known by all because if that were blockbuster.
1: True,
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, fair enough. The, uh, you know. But at the end of the day, you won't get a bargain unless you're willing to embrace uncertainty and figure out one way to at least analyze it or, or cope with it. I think, you know, James, I think, did, did, did a good job of putting this Walmart case in perspective where yeah. even if things go against the company and they have to pay out a, a significant reward, or award, yeah. uh, not a reward, definitely not a reward, <laughs> a significant award, um, you know, they have the balance sheet and cash flows to, to, to manage and cover it, which is why for shareholders, this, I think this is more of a headline, a negative headline yeah. than it is a, a, a uh, strike against the business.
1: I think in this case that, that is that that is certainly true. But what you're looking for is a stock that either under un, underreacts or overreacts.
0: Right. And finally, it's a low bar and Abercrombie and Fitch has once again managed to slither under it. The company is in hot water for its marketing of the Ashley Push Up Triangle, a padded bikini bra for preteen girls. Abercrombie. It's just painful to hear uh, <laughs> Abercrombie. Uh, since the story has broken, uh, Abercrombie has pulled the product. Uh, Bill Mann. God, these are terrible people. Uh, I was going to say, you and I both have preteen girls. In get our them house. out of
1: get them out of pull ups and into push ups as fast <laughs> as possible. I, it's just, I don't, I don't know. Just, thank you. <laughs> yeah. I, I I I can't even believe that this that that. Someone would think that this would be a good idea.
3: That's a good question. I mean, who is that someone? If it's some bald 40-something guy yeah, (laughs) (laughs) named Ted, I want to see his browsing history. I mean, the guy
0: who who, who creates a product like this (laughs) in the first place is a brainchild of somebody. Hey, it's art. (laughs) And and to be clear, this is uh, an Abercrombie Kids product, uh, Abercrombie Kids, an offshoot of Abercrombie & Fitch. Um, It is a product line that is geared towards kids ages 8 to 14. So, yeah, I think, hopefully, if Abercrombie & Fitch is smart, somewhere um, they are doing the detective work on who was the product manager who uh, gave the green light to this. You know, at the end of the day, though, I, I, I'd be interested in, obviously, from a taste
2: standpoint, it's highly questionable, And but that's long been Abercrombie & Fitch's M.O. I mean, I didn't shop at the store when I was in junior high or high school. Mostly because I can't stand to see myself carrying the bag. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Bill. Um, you know the bags are even covered in like half-naked people of various ages and genders. It's it's bizarre, but various genders. <laughs> well, you have two options, I guess. The two, yeah, um, <laughs> just the two. And two. And <laughs> but uh, two I wonder how many of these they sold before they pulled the product. It'd be that'd be interesting to know. I mean, there's a reason. I mean, companies like this. Don't tend to just want to walk headway into PR disasters, which is what this is, which leads me to believe that they are actually selling a fair number of these, which says something else about the state of our of our world.
1: It reminds me of the old Benetton ads. Do you remember when Benetton kept pushing and pushing and pushing the envelope? And then they had one where it with a, uh, you know, with with the angel and the devil uh, children and you know, the devil was done with the you know the hair and little points. And people said, "Oh well, now you've gone too far." I mean, it is quite possible that they've been pushing so much that they didn't quite recognize where they would stepped over the line. But I mean, that to me is a, you know it's it's still just amazing. Sh-
0: shares of Abercrombie up around twenty five percent over the last year. At what point does something like this? At what point does a company's image become its own become a liability? Where's Benetton now? I mean, they disappeared. Well, they're public still.
1: No, no, no. Yeah. But it used to be that Benetton was popular. a huge amort- amount of mind share. I mean, Benetton was a, right. a, a trendsetter. But well, in Europe, they're, they're not-
2: still. I mean, they're still fairly popular.
3: But in Europe? <laughs> <laughs> but are these desperate moves in an attempt to avert that you're saying, Chris? Is that.
0: Uh, I'm, I'm just wondering, you know, it's, you know, it's also been said there's no such thing as bad publicity. I don't agree with that. I think yeah. there is such a thing as bad publicity. And B- I think BP, P- a, once again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, okay, so just to unfairly pick uh, two retailers and match them up in, in what our producer, Matt Greer, calls the loser bracket, uh, Abercrombie and & Fitch and The Gap. If you had to pick one stock over the next five years, which one would you pick and why? Tim Hansen?
2: Wow. That's tough. I, I, the, mm. the Gap has a better valuation, but has, I mean, they can't get their branding right. They would love a problem like this because they, they can't even sell things <laughs> at this point, um, tasteful or not. I, 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 I suppose I'd have to go with Abercrombie & Fitch because, I mean, this is bad headline for the company, but at the end of the day, it's going to have no effect on, on the business. You know, this is one of those things where if the stock were down 20% on this news, I think everybody in this room would probably be at least intrigued, if not a buyer, um, you know, and they've got other brands besides Abercrombie and Fit. So even if this, you know, a lot of consumers don't even know how many brands companies own. Um, so I would say that's probably, probably the winner, at least. They get the merchandising aspect of retail right, which the Gap can't say at present. James?
3: I agree. I, I don't see a major – I mean, Gap is cheaper, but I don't see any, any major catalyst. What's going to change there? Um, whereas Abercrombie, this just – Khakis. Edginess. <laughs> <of> the <brand. laughs> exactly. Does
1: they come out with another one of those
0: swing commercials with, you know, with the
1: khakis. <laughs> Bill, man, I'm actually going to say the Gap by virtue of the fact that they do have one very valuable they, they, they have one very valuable uh, asset that's doing well, and that's Old Navy. You know, I think that uh, they could conceivably do a number of things with the brands that aren't the Gap. They've got Old Navy, and they've got uh, Banana Republic, which are underutilized, but you know they could they could do something with those. Whereas Abercrombie and Fitch, their main brand is Abercrombie and Fitch. If they mess that up, they got a problem.
0: But at Banana Republic, do they have, like, shirtless dudes walking around like they got at Abercrombie & Fitch? When's the last time you went shopping? We're tons <laughs> just, of cologne. I don't know. to shirtless dude ratio. I mean, you <laughs> see the way I dress. You know it's been a long time since I've been shopping. <laughs> Fitch. Uh, Tim Hanson, James Hurley, Bill Man, Guys, thanks for being here. Thank, Thank you, Chris. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about. Don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. Our producer is Matt Greer. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.